we've got great vision. One of the things that is a strength of our church is we have great vision. We have a lot of great ideas. We have a lot of um, out of the box kind of not your normal average church experience kind of ideas and experiences. Um, one of the things that is, is, is sort of my job is to figure out how we take those ideas and how we kind of walk them out and actually see those ideas realized and actualized, right? So we've talked about, <laughs> we've even had conversations about where we're going to go after we meet in the improv theater. We've talked about center stage. We've talked about... Um, Scat Show Theater, the, the, the opera, nightclub. We've talked about all these different places, you know, seeing after we kind of grow into improv theater. We want to see over the next five years, we want to see 5,000 millennials come to faith in Jesus and find a home at E2VG. We've got great vision. We want to see this city change because of God's church being planted and growing and his kingdom advancing in this city. Yeah, it does have a nice ring, and 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 w and that's our strong point. We we have this vision and we get excited about it, but 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 the task for us <laughs> is to figure out how we get there from where we are here, right? And so the, the, the task for us as millennials, as just people who have vision, and this is not just as it relates to the church. This is is this is how it relates to your personal life as well. How do you get there from here? You see all this stuff. You want to do all this stuff. But the question is, what do I do now to get me there? And so what you have to do is you have to take a look at where you are, right? You have to take a look at where you are and what are some things that you can implement now that will enable you to take steps forward. Now, these steps are not giant steps. These steps are not save the day, change the world steps. These steps are mundane they are, I uh, don't really feel like doing this right now. They are just very normal, just not nothing amazing kind of steps. And that's where many of us drop the ball. Because we love the vision. We love the 5,000 people in five years. We love, oh, we're going to get the center stage. You know how many seats is in center stage? Oh, we love making a difference in Midtown. Oh, it's going to be great, blah, 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 blah. But then it comes to you got to pay the first deposit for the facility. And, oh, it's tight this week. I only got a couple dollars, right? So I want to just talk about money. And one of the things that is hard for me as a pastor Talking to a church primarily of millennials is we don't like to talk about money in church. We want to hear about everything else. We want to hear the word. Give me a word for my situation. Y'all, every, every week there's pressure on me to speak to you directly about your situation. And that's a lot of pressure, just to be honest. It's a lot of pressure because what if I don't? You know, what if I feel like God is saying something and it just doesn't wow you? It just doesn't amaze you. It doesn't change your life in any way, <laughs> you know, but I feel like it's God. What do you do then? Do you leave the church? I mean, do you stop coming? What, what happens? It's very difficult. And the thing that we start to learn that, that we should have learned in the book of Acts is it's, it's not as glamorous as it seems. 
The church is, is, is difficult. It's, it's ugly. It, you don't always hear correctly from God. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. Sometimes you, you offend somebody and, and, and things get a little rough and you just got to stick it out. But in our church experience, we are more so concerned with being consumers rather than contributors. And so what I want is I want our church to be the difference. I don't just want to say, you know, our church, we're doing some fancy stuff. Like when I'm talking to my friends, oh, we're doing this, we're doing, and we're doing some cool stuff. I don't just want to do cool church. I want there to be a difference in the culture of our church. I want there to be, when you walk in the doors, you see this radical vision, you see this amazing stuff, but you feel the culture of God's presence in our midst. There's overflowing generosity. There is a measure of an outpouring of his spirit that is unheard of. There's supernatural things happening in our midst. That's unheard of. I want to see, see a difference in the way that we even relate to one another. It's more than cool church. It's not just like I got the hip clothes or jeans on, you know what I'm saying? I don't got my, my cool shoes on, but I could put them on, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and be looking like something. <laughs> but it, it's, it's not about that. It's not about that. At the end of the day, I want people to see that there is a movement happening in this city that is literally shaking the foundation of what it means to do church. Right? Because if we're going to change the world, it's going to start with changing the way that we do church. And so that's why we're here today. But in order for us to get there, we've got to talk about where we are and how we can all be contributors where we are. That makes sense? Amen. I'm glad you're on the, on the same page with this. I'm feeling good about that. Now, you know, it's interesting because all of us want to be a part of people who contribute, but not all of us find ourselves being a contributor. Have you ever had a roommate who didn't contribute to the upkeep of the place that you were living in? Have you ever had a roommate that, or, or just have you ever been a part of something, a project for school, a, a, a work, a, something to do with work, and you were supposed to work with someone, and they didn't put in their fair share. And you had to take up the slack. And you felt like you don't got to change the world. All you have to do is your part. I'm not asking you to do X, Y, Z, and everything in between. All I'm asking you to do is your fair share. And I'm going to do my fair share, and it's going to come together. And, and we all want someone to contribute. We all want to be a part of that. But it's often the case that we find ourselves being the ones who don't contribute, especially when it comes to church. I know, I'm sorry, but... We, we have to get this right, E2VG. We have to get this right because it doesn't matter how much vision we have. It doesn't matter how many cool ideas we have. If we don't have enough people to contribute and put in their fair share right where we are, we'll never get to the next step. And it's the next step that's going to lead us to the next step. That's going to lead us to the next step. That's going to lead us to our destiny and where we want to be. Right? It's a step-by-step -step thing. 
So there are three ways that over the next, today is a week, and then the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the other two ways. There are three ways that we can be contributors and not just consumers in our church. God wants you to be a contributor, not just a consumer of the local church. Amen? So the, what we're going to talk about today is how we contribute financially to the local church. I'm not just going to talk about you giving us your money. <laughs> I want to talk about why we give to the local church. I want to make sure that we all understand what this is about. We talk about tithing. Will a man rob God? Blah, 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 blah. But do we even know why you give to, do we even know what God's word says about tithing, about giving? Is it that we're supposed to give money or is it, are they just lying to us? Talking about money is difficult because guess what? You can talk about money any other place at any other time. You can ask about it, you can spend it, you can request it, you can send an invoice, you can do whatever you want to do with money any other place except for the church. The moment you ask about it, the moment you spend it, the moment you talk about it, it's like, ho, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. This is a church. <laughs> there should be no money in the church. Do you see this money? This should not be in God's church. The church is not about money. So money matters every other place except for God's church. Why is it that God, why is it that money matters in your bank account, but it has no, it carries no weight in God's kingdom? And it's interesting because you look at your bank account and you'd be like, ooh, looking a little slim, God. God, I need you to work things out. Can you help me out? And God has a kingdom that he's trying to advance. And in the local church that you're a part of, he's looking at his account to advance that kingdom in the earth. And he's like, oh, my, my account's a little slim. So although I want to replenish your account, <laughs> I'm looking at my account and it's looking a little thin. You might have to hold on, right? And it's just this tug of war. And the thing that you don't want to do is be in a tug of war with God. You just don't want to do that. Um, so y'all looking at me like, can you get to Bible? Because I, I need to read this somewhere. <laughs> right? So let's just, let's just do that. Um, Ecclesiastes 10 and 19 says this about money. And y'all know me. I read from what version? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. I, I'm like that y'all couldn't really figure it out. <laughs> NLT is where I primarily read on our Sunday gathering. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Your translation might be slightly different, but we'll all end up in the same place. It says this. I'm only reading one verse. It says, a party gives laughter. <laughs> Woo, we having a good time. Wine gives happiness, one of my favorite parts. And money gives what? Everything. everything. Can we say that again? Everything. everything. Let's say money gives everything. One, two, three. Money, money gives everything. everything. There are other versions that say money answereth all things. Right? So there is nothing in the kingdom of God. There is nothing in your life that, that money can't in some way be a part of improving or helping or, or answering. Right? There, that money answers everything. 
If, if you want to get a better car, what do you need more of? Money is this thing that's constantly on our minds. We're constantly thinking about it. We're constantly in need of more of it. We never think we have enough of it. It doesn't matter how much money we make. We always want to make a little bit more. We feel a little bit more comfortable. If I just had just a little bit more money. And we think about how many times, how many days out of the week do you think about money? <laughs> eight, days, eight days out of the week we think about money. But the worst thing that we've done to our spiritual lives is we've despiritualized money. Money has nothing to do with our spiritual lives in, our, in the way that we live our lives. And when you think of it in that way, you will always mismanage your money. Because money is not just a physical piece of paper that you spend. It has, it doesn't, it's not just about that. It is spiritual in nature. Because of the way that you, your heart follows where your money goes. And so you, you know, okay, well, where's the Bible say that? Well, it says in, uh, where's it at? Matthew, y'all know what I'm talking about. Matthew 6 and 5 or, I'm messing it up. Where's it at? 12? 11? <laughs> it's in Matthew. Matthew 6, 19. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all acting like y'all know. If I could find it. Nah, bro. 621. <laughs> I know that's what he said. That's what I wanted. <laughs> Matthew 621 says this. Let's read it together on the count of three. One. I mean, y'all was correcting me like y'all had it all together, so I was just trying to make sure we could do this. No, I'm, playing. <laughs> I'm just saying because y'all be coming at me like, like I can't come back. Like y'all just supposed to beat up on me and everything. <laughs> Matthew 6, 21 says this on the count of three. One, two, three. Wherever your treasure is. So where your treasures are, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart is going to follow your resource, your money. The, right now, the, the, the way that we speak, the currency of our culture is money. So your heart is going to follow your money. Wherever you spend the bulk of your money, that's where your heart's going to be. If you spend the bulk of your money on music, that's where your heart's going to be. If you spend the bulk of your money, for me, on food, that's where my heart is. <laughs> it takes it, it's got a large it's got most of my heart <laughs> because it's got most of my money <laughs> and I and I think if we're honest you could you don't even you don't have to look at how many scriptures you read a day you don't have to look at how many times you go to church and how many times you say amen all you have to do is look at the way you spend your money I can tell how spiritual you are or where your, your, your values are by the way that you spend your money because your heart follows your money. And we think that, we think that our money is going to follow our heart. We think that if I'm passionate about this, eventually my money will catch up. But that's not the way it works. Your heart will follow your money. 
That's the way it works all the time. That's what the Bible says. Now, when you talk about giving money to the local church, it's a very difficult thing because I've had people come to me and they're scholars and they say, well, you know, Pastor Paul, uh, the Bible doesn't actually talk about tithing in the New Testament. And actually, if you really knew the Old Testament, when the Bible mentions tithing, it's not talking about money. (laughs) 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 And so I'm not sure how familiar you are with scripture, but actually in the Old Testament, when it talks about tithing, it's it's talking about produce and and crops and and things of that nature, livestock. (laughs) So there's really no command for us to give money to the local church that's something that we've that's a construct that we've made up and 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 it's just something that we say to try to get people's money pressure them into giving right and many of us we don't even we don't think that we're being influenced by that but sometimes these things just kind of seep into our just atmosphere and you may not outwardly say that, but you hear these things, and you hear people saying that. And that, that it may not influence you in a big way, but it's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. Well, maybe I shouldn't give, every, give money to the church. Where in the New Testament does it mention tithing? I actually did read in Malachi, and it was not money. And so I would just, you know, I look, at, I look at the people and I look at you all and I say, you are absolutely right. You're so smart. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Knowing stuff. But the reality is, if you understand scripture, which is what I want us to do because we have to understand scripture, we have to understand that it wasn't about money in, in the Old Testament in Malachi that was the issue. It was about currency. So in the Old Testament, we have an agricultural society. So the way that they do transactions in the marketplace was through livestock, was through crops and produce, was through the increase of thy seed in the Old Testament. So you go to the marketplace and you say, I'll give you three pigeons for those two hens. And you give them your three pigeons and you take your two hens. Or you'll say, I'll give you these 1,600 cattle and I'll take that whatever. It's a method of currency. And so what God says is, since this is, this is the language you speak right now, what I want you to do is give me 10%, uh, understanding that it is me that it was providing you the means to get what you need. And so it's a spiritual principle that's connected to the method of currency that is the language of the culture. And so what happens is we get to the New Testament and you don't see this mentioned. Because the New Testament does not talk about tithing. It does not mention giving 10% of your money. And so I say, you're absolutely right. You got me. You're not supposed to give money, apparently, because it's not mentioned. But what you don't understand is that, do you remember when we were studying in the book of Acts, who was primarily becoming Christian in the beginning? The poor, but, but who were they ministering to? The Jews, there were Jewish people primarily becoming Christian. So when the church grew to about 5,000 people, you're talking about primarily Jewish people. What the Jewish people would have understood was they would have already been giving 10% of their currency 
to support the mission of God, the house of God. So there was no conversation that needed to happen about that because it was understood. You told us in Malachi to give 10% of the increase of our seed. Right now, we're not exactly in an agricultural society, so the increase of our seed is not chickens. It's your money. And so Paul, the apostle Paul, he actually addresses this in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, which we're going to turn to. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Where did Paul write this book? Mm-mm. Yes. In Acts chapter 18 or 19, Paul travels to Ephesus. He spends about two years and some change in Ephesus. And while he's in Ephesus, he writes this book, 1 Corinthians. And this is what he, remember, we talked about addressing your mess, and he was addressing the mess that was going on in the church of Corinth. Well, he ends, after he talks about the, rev- uh, the resurrection, we're talking about money. I was like, now let's talk about money for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 through 4. You guys there? Yeah. It reads like this. It says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation to the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. And so at this moment, we're, we're understanding Jerusalem to be the home base of the church that had been established. And so they're sending a portion of their money to support the mission of God in the church, right? And so what what Paul is basically saying is like, listen, I don't even want you to have to think about this. I don't want you to even have to to wonder, okay, oh, shoot, I forgot. I know I was supposed to give some money. He's saying at the top of each week, I want you, when you get your money, I want you to set aside some portion in keeping with your income so that no collections even have to be made. When we went to start out this church, one of the things that I said to our core leadership team is I said, I don't want to take up offering during our services. I don't want to ever have an offering because I want us to get to the place to where it is so a part of our culture to just know that we honor God with the first portion that we receive from our check. I don't want to have to take up offering ever. We started doing that, and we started noticing it wasn't exactly working. <laughs> because we didn't, when we didn't take up, we didn't take up our, and then some people just didn't. Oh, we ain't giving a day. Okay, cool. I can go to, um, I can go to Five Guys. <laughs> I can go to Cookout. I, what, we ain't got to offer you a day. That's what's up. <laughs> ain't got good. Ain't got good. <laughs> I guess they forgot to take up offerings. I'm going to put this money back in my pocket right quick. 
So, and, and but what we wanted to establish in our culture is overflowing generosity. We're, we're not questioning whether or not we gotta, you know, we have to support the mission of God. We already get it. We already get it. God, you, you, you are the reason why I have what I have. And so me giving you a portion of this is not even that I'm giving it to you. I'm just surrendering and understanding that everything that I have is yours. This portion that I'm giving back to you is not even mine to give back to you. It's me just saying, I get it. Whenever you give that portion of your money, what you're saying to God is, I get it. This ain't even mine. Whenever we, Jenny and I, we started, we started tithing. It was difficult for me to get into this, this swing of tithing and everything. And so when I was, you know, by myself and before and I, her and I got together, it was difficult. And I would try and I would try and I would try. Then I would be like, well, if I have, I'll give. And if I had a little more, I'll give. You know, that kind of stuff. And it just didn't even work. I just didn't give. <laughs> and so I started making it a point to give every single time. No matter what, I would just give. And, and I would be like, you know what? This makes no sense because I don't really have it. But you know what? I'm going to give. When Jenny and I got together, we both had that same mindset. There were times when we did not have to give. We didn't have it to give. But what we both knew and what we both understood, what we both had experiences with is when you don't give, it gets worse. Every time. And you will rationalize yourself and you will think because you think right now you think that money's not spiritual. And so when you had that mindset, you just rationalize things and try to make sense of things that it just doesn't work. And so I remember specifically, do you remember that time when we were in, living in the apartment where there were, we knew we didn't have any money, but we knew we hadn't give, give our tithe or offering yet. And we looked at it and we said, this is due, 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 this is due. Y'all know them seasons of life. This is due. Everybody wants my money. And I've only got this. And this can't, certainly you don't want, everybody wants this. <laughs> Do you see this? <laughs> I only have this. And then I'm hungry. <laughs> and I remember Jenny looked at me and she said, what are we going to do? And I said, tithe it. We don't even have enough to pay all of y'all. So I don't know what we're going to do. But I know who gave us that. <laughs> Tithe it. I have no idea how we got out of that season. All I remember is being on the other side, looking at Jenny and saying, how did we do that? How did we do that? Every single time. Listen, we, we've seen, we, I see you move. You move the mountains and I believe. I see you do it again. We sing these songs and we feel real, real good. But when it comes time to actually living out what we believe in a very practical way. No, no, God. Because I got to eat. <laughs> and I worked for this. And you said, if we don't work, we don't eat. And I worked. <laughs> so I got to eat. <laughs> And you don't, you, we, we hear preachers like bashing you like, will a man rob God? You're not robbing God, you're robbing yourself. Yeah. 
We don't have to manipulate you, manipulate you into, you know, feeling guilty about not giving. You literally are robbing yourself because you don't understand that this is a spiritual thing. We think everything else is spiritual. Praying, speaking in tongues, doing all this stuff. And yes, it's spiritual. But you've got to stop despiritualizing things that are in the natural. Because what you do is you limit God's activity. If money ain't spiritual, then God can't work with money. You're not inviting God into money. <laughs> How many people want God to be a part of your, your finances? Grow your <laughs> bank account, right? And listen, I don't want your motivation for giving to be so that God can do this and do that. I want you to understand that my money is leading my heart. And because I know that, I need to practice this discipline of giving sacrificially. Because if I don't do that, something's going to take my heart and my attention, my affection, my devotion away. If God ain't getting it, if the local church isn't getting it, somebody's getting it. It ain't like it's just sitting in your account. You ain't that great of a saver. I know I'm right. Y'all can look at me like I got 18 heads if y'all want. <laughs> I know who I'm talking to. There are two things I want you to notice about Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The two things are this. First, he mentions an invitation to participate. Say participate. participate. When you're a contributor, that means you're a person who is willing and able and desire to participate. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I don't want to stand on the sidelines and just kind of look and I just want to be a part of it. God, whatever you're doing, I just want to be a, I just want to be a part. Mm -hmm. You ever see a group of people like when you were in school having fun and you just want to be a part of, you know, you just, oh, I want to be a part of that group. I want to be a part of that fun. Right. It, it, what, what, what Paul is saying is he's like, I want, he said, I want you to do what I told all the churches in Galatia to do. I want you to do what I've been traveling around telling all the churches to do. I'm inviting you to participate in what we're doing to advance the mission of God. You ain't starting nothing by giving your money. You are participating in what God is doing in the earth all over the world. We, we, we can say we want to reach 5,000 people in five years, but if we ain't got no money, hello. <laughs> You can say you want this big house and this big fancy car and all this stuff, but if you ain't got no money, I don't care what you want. <laughs> then what he does, the second thing is he invites, he gives an invitation for them to automate their giving. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to set aside at the beginning of each week some sum of money. He says, I just want you to just do it. You know how we have to sit down and figure out our bills and then how much do I have left over that I could possibly maybe give to the church? Because I know, God, you come first. So after I'm done with everything, <laughs> let me make sure I have enough to give you first. <laughs> so at the end of it all, I'm going to give you first my money that I am left with at the bottom of the barrel because this is... Because you are the best. <laughs> the last shall be first. <laughs> then you start twist nine scriptures like this. <laughs> you didn't twisted scripture so much. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's all a series. Oh, yeah, she'll preach it. <laughs> so, so listen, those two, invitation to participate, invitation to automate. This should be something that we just don't even, I don't even have to convince you of. What, why, pastors, I, I hate talking about money. I hate it. I hate talking about money, not because the Bible doesn't talk about it, not because I don't think it's spiritual. I hate talking about it because you find yourself feeling like you have to convince people that should already be convinced because it's a heart thing. This has, if you think this has nothing to do with your heart, you are just so wrong. <laughs> I can't even tell you. You know, some people just, you want to you not tell them they're wrong, but they just are. That's how I feel. I want this to be something I don't got to talk about. Who wants to talk about money? This doesn't feel like it's helping you tomorrow when you go to work. But I guarantee you, if you, if you don't understand spiritual discipline, if you don't start disciplining yourself to keep God first, not just in your prayer life, not just on your, when you're in traffic and you're just like, oh, God, hold my tongue. Ooh, God, you know, not, not just that. When you invite God to be first in every aspect of your life, that means, God, you are the manager of everything that I have. It's all yours. That was why when they, be, when they came to, uh, when they first became a part of this thing called the church in Acts, they were able to sell all their possessions and give to everyone that was in need. What would motivate them to do that? It was a complete transformation in the heart that changed the way they thought about everything they received. None of this is ours. So how can I keep this if there are people in need? God, take it all. They sold all their possessions, and they gave to everyone that had need. And we're not asking for that. <laughs> All we're saying is, do your part. Do you know God's not looking at how much you give? He is looking at how much you give in proportion to what you have. And I need you to understand this, because I've talked about this before. I've preached this before. I have a whole example that I've done before, and I was going to do it again, but we're running late, and I want to keep it here tonight. But at the end of the day, if 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 E2VG, if I come before you and I say, and maybe not E2VG, any church, if we come before you and say, the need is $5,000, oftentimes what we think is that God is looking at our ability to meet the need. But he's not concerned about our ability to meet the need. What he's concerned about is what you're willing to give compared to what you have. And so we think that, oh, but God, this is my last $5. $5 ain't going to meet that need. But if God knows that $5 is all you have or very close to all you have and you give that $5, he's looking at that with honor. He's looking at that and he's going to bless that act of giving, that sacrificial gift. Why? Because he's looking at what you gave compared to what you have. He says, I want you to set aside some sum of money in proportion to your income so that we can advance this message. So the question, without all my fancy, y'all saw this before, this was a good, 
this was a good example. Y'all, y'all wouldn't be here all night. No, I ain't. Real quick. So, <coughs> I've got one rich guy. He's got full bottle of water. I've got one guy who's getting low. He's, he's struggling a bit. He's only got a little bit, kind of half of his water left. And we've got some needs. Here are the needs. The needs are presented to the two guys. They both love Jesus with all their heart, mind, and soul. They sing just as loud. They worship just as hard. They shout. They spit. They roll on the floor. They do the same thing. The needs are presented to them. This guy, he gives. He says, I don't have much, but that's what I'm willing to give. This guy says, I don't have much, but I could give at least what that guy gave. The need is met, and the church rejoices. We made our budget. Woohoo! We're going to Midtown. Yay! We can do this. We're going to change the world. The church is so excited. They're happy. They're looking. They're rejoicing. They're shouting because the church is moving forward. Everything's good and gravy. But God's looking at these two people because God is not looking at us collectively. Y'all know. God is looking at you individually. Don't think you in here hiding. I'm with my church. No, this is about you and God, right? God is looking at this guy, and he's a little concerned because this guy had to give close to everything that he had to meet a need, not understanding that he himself was in need. This guy, he wasn't in need. He was full. And he only gave just as much as the guy who was in need. So who's doing their part? Because now this guy walks away, and he has a need now. The church's need is met, but now he has a need. And some of us feel like that. God, I gave my last in church. I don't have to give what I, I gave what I could give. And God's looking at you and going, I'm with you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless that because I honor that heart of sacrifice. Mm 